Hello everyone, welcome back to Capdog. It has been a little while. I, uh, I took a break from my Capdog, my, uh, this podcast, as I uh, took over a business, became very busy, dealt with the uh, pandemic like everyone else. Uh, now, goodness me, it's 2021. Life seems to be coming back into order, into life, or in some fashion, maybe normal or new normal. And uh, I think it's time for me to get back into this. Uh, I really enjoyed doing podcasting before and experimenting with it. Now, really, I only did a couple of a couple of episodes. It was really my first attempt. I'm going to start something new here. I, although I started doing going down a path of being agile. I'm going to move now into focus on this other stuff, man, and I'm going to keep this pretty wide open. Capdog is going to be about what I'm seeing in my life and the world, the people in my life, things going on, you know, and uh, I hope you stick around. I hope you stick around and check this out. Uh, eventually, I do hope to have guests and interviews and conversations with people about life, spirituality, politics, current events, life, raising kids, uh, you know, dealing with uh, dealing with elderly, health stuff, you know, all these things that are just part of who we are as people. I do hope to keep it funny. I do hope also to make this something that you come back to and get some insights from. I, uh, I, I do... Uh, I do hope that that is what we end up doing. Let me see what we're doing here. So today's episode is going to be all about hope. Hope for the future, excitement for the future. You know, there's been a lot of doom and gloom, and, and as people, we're kind of naturally wired to expect yesterday's weather to continue on into the future. And just like nobody predicted, we'd be living in our homes, all the fear and anxiety that's been going on. Um, I don't think anybody's really thinking about what it's going to be like once that all goes away, and I think that's happening pretty soon. And I also feel like there's enormous, there's an enormous positive energy that's out there in this world, and there are people, many people, who are excited about what's going to happen. I'm excited about the new opportunities that are coming. After this pandemic, um, you know, the, the return to, to life is not going to be a return to where we were. It's going to be a return to life growing and life uh, celebrating what life is about. Because that doing, being, uh, doing amazing things in this world. I, I think this is like the best time for anybody to think about opening a new business. Uh, there's so many things that have shifted out there. The world is changed its perspective on what business is and what it can look like, where it is going to exist. And there's a lot of people who've gotten out of it. And there's a lot of fear. And again, it's it's that mindset that, well, you know, we're just gonna be here forever. And that's simply not true. I don't I don't ball it by that for one moment. Um, there are many people out there, conspiracy folks, assuming that, well, yeah, they want to keep us locked down forever. Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a super big supporter of government, public health, or, 
or, or things like that. But I also don't think these are a deep conspiracy people. If anybody's worked in government before, this is not this is not that crowd. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything negative about these people, but they may be do they may sometimes make mistakes and they do it on the public stage. And I think there's been a lot of mistakes. But then again, this is the first time for all of us, and so I think we need to give people some space to to come come to terms with you know not just those mistakes, but you know, like let's let's focus on how do we get out of this and get back to something that's super positive, uh, healthy for ourselves, our children, and those around us. Uh, so that's what this could be about. This is my view of where I think we're going, and I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, and part of this is not just the excitement of, you know, the potential growth and uh, new things happening. I think there's going to be a lot of it. A lot of people have come to a conclusion that it's all going to be doom and gloom forever, and it won't. There's also an enormous, there's a great opportunity right now for people to take back power and control of their, uh, their agency in their lives, but, you know, the politics that have become stale, and let's be honest, I don't know that that all of the folks who have been in politics for a long time are necessarily still looking out for people who vote for them. It's become pretty apparent to most of us that, you know, they really are more interested in the people who give them the money. And um, that's how it works, you know? I mean, people stay in power long enough, somebody starts showing up with bags of money, and it doesn't take long before they become corrupted, and they no longer serve us. They're no longer really working for us. And that's a little, that may sound like a bit of a downer, but here's the thing. This was true before the pandemic. What's happening now is that we actually see it. And I don't, I don't think there are many people out there today who are looking at, you know, examples like GameStop or, you know, some of the outrageous vitriol and, uh, you know, really negative tone in politics today and thinks that, yeah, these guys are really are representative of who we are. Because when I talk to regular people, I talk to anyone out there, nobody's full of hatred for each other. None of us are feeling this. It's all in the media. It's in politics. It's in these people who want to keep us upset, angry. I don't know what, you know, I, I don't know that it's actually intentional. I should be careful there. I actually think it's more on that front, I think the media, I think the media is desperate to make money, to stay relevant. They, uh, your, your traditional media organizations have been facing a, a dying demographic for themselves. And the only way they can compete with new, new demographics and to stay relevant is to become more and more outrageous. Some of this has to do with some, I won't mention names here, some, some people in politics who have taken advantage of, of this and created an environment that elevated or escalated this high, oh gosh, what's the word? It's, it's um, a, you know, highly emotional, outrageous uh, events, escalating these and elevating them to become things of, of major prominence. When in fact, most of these, most of the things that you read about in the media today, they're all overdone. Um, this goes on both sides. There's no one, and I'm not going to say right, left, if you're, you know, liberal or if you're, uh, you know, conservative. It's not that. This is not about that. This is about people trying to eat, and I feel for them. I feel for them. They need to 
keep those paychecks coming in and it's hard to do. And you're not going to do that covering, you know, the traffic. You're not going to cover it down at City Hall anymore. It's got to be something that's really outrageous. Let's get people upset about racism. Let's get them upset about uh, who knows, whatever. You know, it's about politics. It's about somebody's out to take from you, steal from you, whatever. Um, and most of it is made up. Uh, and, and so, you know, the good news is that there are fewer and fewer people who actually pay attention to these people. Now, I, I personally have shut off all news and media for myself. I, uh, I did this probably about five years ago. I haven't really paid any attention to it until this past couple of years where, well, with COVID, right, or coronavirus, you know, you, you had to. You had to stay on top of it. It was very uncertain for a while. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm sure like anyone else, it seemed like the world was ending for a little while there. This is, this is some time ago. And so then you're starting to get back into that media cycle and starting to pay attention to these people. And it, it, was, it was alarming to me where, how, how deeply dysfunctional it had become and how divided and divisive. They, and I think it's unintentionally divisive those industries have become for us. And, and more and more, this is, but this, is, this sounds negative. I want to say the positive news is, you know, what I'm seeing is, what I'm hearing are more and more people are tuning them out and, um, and tuning them out because it's like we can't keep hearing this. We can't, nobody wants to feel angry all the time. Nobody wants to feel afraid all the time. That's not a normal way to live. Um, the, the only people who want you to do that are people who want you to continue to go to their website, look at their Twitter feed, whatever it might be. And they use this so that they get paid. So, not bad people, just desperate people. I feel for them, but this has not been good for our society. Now, going further, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Like, you know, ah, technology, I think there's a, there's a big wake up happening right now about the power that has now shifted. It's shifted to technology companies and it's been a very recent thing where now the biggest and probably most powerful companies in the world are technology companies. So this is, this is good and daunting at the same time because these groups have enormous power. They have power over how we communicate, who we communicate with, they have the ability to shut you down if you don't agree with their politics. Again, this is a scary and dangerous place, but there's an enormous amount of transparency into this now. I mean, despite their best efforts to cover it up or to make it sound as though they're not this way, everyone can see it, just like everyone can see the news and media and understand the bias and, and honestly, the, um, the desperate divisiveness that lives there. And so... So that's another thing. So, so we have what really is, now this is the other part, and it sound, I want this sound negative here, but the other element that we're starting to see has become really apparent is that governments themselves actually never really had that much power. And, and what you can see in this from, from examples like GameStop or others um, are really, we are being, are, these countries are what we call our democracies aren't really that. They're, they're oligarchies. They're, and this is not new. By the way, you know, saying that we're an oligarchy now and it's Jeff Bezos and, you know, the Facebook, Twitter, all these guys, Jack Dorsey and uh, Zuckerberg, but, it's, but that's not new. That's just new guys who are, who are the oligarchs. We've, there's always been oligarchs 
who have been behind this. And I, the good news is, is it's actually showing everyone the fact that, well, hey, how did we lose control of our government? And this is, I, I think, and I'm not just think, actually, I certainly, I expect that what's going to happen is that government is going to start to become more and more accountable to the people who vote for it. Vote for those governments and vote for politicians because it's more and more apparent that they are under, you know, they're, they're being paid by these big fat money guys. I don't know. And, by, and not to make it sound like they're all evil, right? Because this is the game that was set up long before everybody is in power right now and all these wealthy people, they're just the new folks with the money. And so they know they got to play this game as, they, as, as what it does, it gets them their ability to get what they want. So, so here we are. We're, we're in a mode here now where so many, so many of the, and I guess what I'd call them are, um, I guess, patterns, systems that existed in the past uh, are either unwinding or they are becoming, um, they're becoming exposed to a certain extent. Not just exposed, they are becoming exposed. The, you know, the, the, the closeness of media to politics the uh, control of politics and media by big business and by really a small handful of extremely wealthy individuals. And this is what it's been for a very long time, if not all time. And, and so, you know, it's good to see because it helps people look at this and say, hey, you know, is this really what we want to be living in? Or is, that, is this just an anachronism? Are we stuck in some, you know, pastime paradise where... You know, the wealthy industrialist was, you know, going to save us all or, you know, that, that somehow this virtue of, of making money or being extremely wealthy was sufficient to provide guidance for people and culture. And we all know now that, you know, if you look at where we're at today, these people have absolutely no business leading anything. I mean, look, they're all out for themselves or looking for money. And by the way, that's not new. What is new is I think we all see what they're doing is what the the thing is the internet and media and the amount of different sources of information out there today make it very difficult for people in power to control the message control the information and tell you what to think so so what what's happening is i think phenomenal where it feels unsettling right now it feels like everything's coming apart but really what's happening is the things that weren't working are coming apart and the people who are we as people, not the people, all of us, we can see what is going on. And we can also now understand, well, okay, is this the future we want for ourselves and for our children? Or is there a better way that we can be? And this is what I think. I think there's a better way we can be. And I, this is the future that I see us moving into. I see us going into this next decade with a lot of positive energy. It's going to be chaotic partly because we've just come out of a pandemic. And, um, and on top of that, the old establishment systems are coming apart. Um, some of their tactics, so right now, uh, and I'm, I have no problem saying this, this is, there is a, an attempt to keep us divided. So you'll see a lot of focus on, on um, identity and making this about uh, crushing others who are not part of your identity group. Now, what this is all about, though, this is divide and conquer, except it is done at a radical level, and it's creating more and more 
more narrow groups of people that they want you to identify with so that you don't get together and vote them out. This is what's going on, by the way, but I don't think it's working. Most people I talk to are not buying into any of their bullshit, and it is bullshit. Um, you know, I'm not, and by the way, I'm not going to say that there's not been issues with racism and all these things in the past and people you, taking advantage of their power over those with less power. That has gone on forever, and it's still going on. But it's not between us. It isn't. There's a small handful of very wealthy, powerful people, and they've always been there. And I'm not saying that they're the same group because they keep changing. I'm not saying this is a, a cabal of you know, families that have existed for all time. But what happens is when people are in power, they take advantage of it. And they don't want to lose it. As soon as they have money and power, what they want to do is hold on to it as hard as they can. And that's what's going on. But they're desperate now. And the funny thing is their desperation is turning them into more and more ridiculous versions of this divide and conquer. So now we have this thing where we're, where, um, you're, it's justified to hate someone. Because somebody was of certain color and gender, you should hate them. And somehow this will right wrongs of the past. Now this is beyond ridiculous. Anyone who studied any psychology or even just read some basics on the internet knows that that is only going to create hatred and shame and you're going to create division. Now, the other thing is, anybody out there doing this is creating a more narrow and narrow island that they're going to live in because... People, we want to get along. We want to get along with people. Nobody's out to get somebody who's, who's, uh, you know, different race or you know, is like different gender identity. All those things. And by the way, none of these are new things either, right? These are all being trotted out as some new modern view of the world. But this isn't new, and we've seen this before as people and people and people in power and and uh, those who want to control us have done this for a very long time. Now, I personally am a Scot. And our history, our history, if you go and look at it, you will see divide and conquer. And that's how we were colonized. And, and I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna complain about this for a moment. That's just part of our past. And that is what happened. And, and um, But this is the ongoing game, the power and control over people. What we have now is the ability to see through this and see the ridiculousness of this agenda and the attempt to control us. Now, again, super positive because guess what? We're gonna be able to knock these guys out. I think elections are gonna come and those in power who have been siding with this divisive, divisive agenda, with agendas that are about keeping power for the wealthy and not for, for those who are not wealthy or powerful, are going to be voted out. And I think there's enormous opportunity for new political parties, for um, exciting changes, not just with how we interact with each other, but how we structure our, our society that accepts others, which by nature is what we are. Most people do this. You know, nobody's out looking for, you know, grief and, um, you know, looking to put others down. This is, this is the myth that they're trying to build for us. So... So, um, the other thing too, if you look at, um, the other positive thing I've seen is the excessive focus on 
gender identity and how completely ridiculous it is looking and and particularly to young people. It's interesting to hear young people talk about this and their thoughts on it because for the most part, they look at the adults in their lives and they think they look they look kind of silly, not just kind of silly, they look outrageous. I mean, the number of different gender identities and the fear and anxiety that people who are older have about talking about sex and gender has made them made them look like idiots. And there's no question about it. This isn't like a winning scenario for anyone. Um, no, by the way, I'm not picking on anyone. I think actually, you know, uh, people should be, we need to respect people and give, give people space, but particularly young kids. Like, you know, going on and on about gender with kids is not healthy. Um, you know, uh, and, and they don't feel it either. And, you know, it's interesting is that with all this focus on gender and sexual identity, nobody's paying, nobody pays attention except kids to the fact that they're really being taught or told by a lot of these adults that really their sexual identity is the most important thing about them. And that's completely false. That is part of an older generation's view that never really grew up. And I'm going to be a little pickier with a certain, gen, with a certain demographic who are still, let's be honest, still behaving like kids. Now, we live in a cult of youth, and this cult of youth looks at life as being this romantic ideal of maybe being in love with someone as a, maybe a 16 to a 20-year-old. I don't know, whatever age group they think is the most magical time when romance blossoms, or maybe it's 16 to 30, I have no idea, whatever it is. Um, but it, it is a bizarre and, to be honest, deeply uncomfortable cult of youth that looks at our lives as what as sort of a frozen in time, really young adult or teenager. And when in fact, that's a complete misunderstanding of what the human experience is about. There's a point in our lives when, yeah, there's sexual energy and those things are great. And, but there's a point lots of times in our lives when they're not part of it. And in fact, assuming that causes all sorts of problems. If you look at divorces, you know, so many people, when they get married, nobody tells them that it's going to change. Well, everybody actually tells you when you get married, hey, you know, it's going to change your life. And boy, does it ever. But nobody tells you why. I'm going to tell you why, actually. It's a good lesson here. A big part of the challenge with, with marriage, when if you're not prepared for it, is that, well, you know, at one time you maybe married someone and there was romance and excitement there between you. But then you have a, you have a child and all of a sudden, your focus needs to shift. Your focus needs to shift to your children. Now, what you'll see with some people is the sense that, oh, my life isn't right because my spouse isn't like adoring me all the time. But that's not realistic. That's not realistic for anyone to expect. But they feel that their life is broken because of this. And then they start resenting their spouse. And then you end up with divorces all over the place. It's, it's a ridiculous assumption to assume that we should be out being this highly sexualized, youthful person our entire life. You could be, by the way, youthful, I'm not going to say doesn't, because you're older doesn't mean you're not energetic and full of life, but youthful is just different, man. And there's, there's, good, there's good things when you're 20, but there's good things when you're 30 and you're 40 and you're 50. And, and I sure hope when I'm 60 that it's good too. I know it will be actually. Everything, I've never had a point in my life where I thought, oh yeah, this part sucked. It's always had something to it that was meaningful and important at that time. But I don't want to go back to being a 20-year-old. That doesn't make any sense. And, and most people, if they think about it, 
they're going to say, yeah, like that was interesting, but there is, and, and everything that happened in my life then was meaningful and important to me then, but it's not where I'm at anymore. And by the way, I'm not judging anybody. We all have to go through this life journey and figure out, figure it out ourselves. So, so the, so this is another one, right? This is something that I think, um, you know, it's becoming more and more to the fore, which is this really deeply weird, weird obsession with youth and sexualization of our lives. And it's wrong and it, it perhaps does drive some consumer culture. Uh, I don't know if that's what it is or what it does, but it is broken. And this is another one that thankfully is starting to come apart because, you know, I'm seeing the kids are just saying that it's laughable now. And I think nobody looks at it and thinks, oh, great, we have 10 genders we can choose from. Look how free I am. It just looks like a joke. And so, and I think what it also shows is the, uh, the, the amount of anxiety that the, this older generation has had about sexuality itself and the fact that they never grew up. And this is sad. I don't mean to be mean about it. I'm not saying everyone in that boomer generation didn't grow up, but there's a good chunk of you who just didn't. And you're still stuck lamenting some, some sort of passion that you feel you need to have in a sexual way. It is ridiculous. Now, but, now by the way, I'm not going to say sex is bad at, at their older ages, but it can't be the core of your life. Some romantic ideal of you know, constant puppy love is, is an absolute ridiculous sham. Anybody who thinks that what your life should be about is not only going to be disappointed, but it's going to be completely unrewarding. Uh, so, so, okay. So this is another one. It's unwinding. Like, wow, it feels to me like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff is just coming off and it's, it's getting, it's getting shed. Um, not gracefully in most cases, like in the, you seem so much of this um, anger and bitterness out there, but it's, it's going to go and it's going to go in a dramatic fashion. And so, but, it, but in a positive one. When I say dramatic, I think positive. I think what we're, what we're setting up for is really just a, uh, an opportunity to reset, rethink who we are, and, and start to think about ourselves as more than consumers, uh, hyper-sexualized young people, whatever it might be, this, this, we, this overly um, you know, obsessive view of who we are and how people see us as a young person uh, who is desirable. Like, it's just ridiculous to see a, a 50-year-old operating this way, but you see it. You see it, and it's just broken. So, okay, that's good. Now, more stuff, more stuff that's going. So, now this is one that takes a little bit of thinking, because this is, a good, this is sort of about uh, scientific materialism and how we see the world and how we break it down. But we've got this mode of thinking that is fundamentally busted. And it is, um, it is what has driven us to the environmental disaster we got. Um, part of it is this excessive uh, focus on production, being more and more productive in the ab as, as, and by the way, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with production, but in the absence of any other normative or value or values or purpose. So what became purpose was production and consumption. Because scientific materialism broke things down into us as being simple machines who produce and consume. And so there we go. We're all simply little robots who are very good at producing things and consuming things. But there's no other purpose beyond that. Now, 
anyone who takes that view in life is fun, is broken at a very deep level. <laughs> but we got a society that still is there, and at a deep level, man, we're we're out there. There we are. I shouldn't say that. You're, there there has historically been this view, and um, but this is changing. This is changing too. And my goodness, it's healthy. But it's healthy not just for from a perspective of this this focus on consumption and waste, but the environment as well. Like um, now, I'm and and when I say the environment, I mean actually understanding our place within it, because we've also got this sense. There's also this reductionist view that we're somehow separate from the universe around us and the world around us, and actually, it's factually not true. And it doesn't matter if you're a theist or a scientist. Uh, you can be a complete atheist. It doesn't matter. You can look and understand the fact. The fact is, we none of us are separate. In fact, we're all connected as people. But going further than that, we are connected to everything in this in this planet, in this universe, and assuming that somehow we are this distinct being who has, you know, some sort of some sort of separateness from this world, and we take from it, and we're supposed to manage it is utter horseshit. And that is becoming, that is all unwinding as well. Now, the challenge we've had is so many of the environmental movements have been taking the same approaches that really got us here, which is, you know, let's, let's, let's use basic carrot and stick techniques. Let's put in, um, you know, uh, you know, make, let's make it costly to do this or put in, you know, build in something that makes it a, uh, something people have to pay with taxes versus really shifting our thinking, man, to understand who the hell we are. And we are not this independent operative in the universe. We're part of a living organism, what we are. We're not separate from it. And we, and with that understanding of that, and it, again, you don't need to be spiritual. You can be an atheist if you want. And the same truth is there. Science backs us up. You are part of this. We're all part of the same thing. And so if you look at it, we all have to understand that, hey, if we hurt this environment, we're hurting ourselves. And this belief that our, our consumption of things is somehow a virtue is broken, right? We have, to, we have to start to revisit an uncomfortable question, right? Which is, who are we and why are we here? Again, moving us in to something more positive because what we've done or what this industrial age mindset we've been living with this since the 1700s, 1800s has done is told us that well no there's no other purpose just you produce things and you consume things that isn't true you see you all know that's utter bullshit now what we are is something much bigger than that and i don't care if you're neil degrasse tyson and you you think this is all um, you know, the, the, that universe theory, sort of the um, uh, parallel universes, which, by the way, I'm not going to knock. You know, I, 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 you know is what, he, what he thinks is true, there, I, I actually can look at it and say, yeah, man, that's definitely a possibility. Or a simulation theory. Or, or you believe in, in uh, we, are part of, we are spiritual and part of something much larger. We're part of God. Or maybe we are all representative of God's consciousness trying to, trying to experience God. Either way, we are something more like that than producers and consumers of stuff, okay? And so this, this is now bringing to four core questions that every human being has dealt with throughout history. Again, who are you? What are you doing here? And you gotta come to terms with that because otherwise you don't have much time left. So this, I think, is also very positive. You know, instead of all this obsession about, well, how do I look or do I have enough stuff? 
right? And if you look at it, most of us have enough stuff. You know, we want to start thinking about, well, hey, I'm here. Why is that, right? Who are these people around me? What is this world? What is this about, right? How did this happen? These are things that are more deep and meaningful, and that's where our focus needs to be, not about how many more widgets we can make, or, you know, is this country going to produce more, or you know, what is inflation? I mean, oh, by the way, those things matter to our lives, but they're not deeply, they're not deeply meaningful, you know? There is more than enough in this world, and it is a very plentiful world. And despite what Bill Gates will tell you, we don't need his help to feed us either. So that's another one. So the oligarchs are sure looking pretty, pretty boldly, uh, boldly self-serving. I mean, my goodness. Like, oh, there's so much of this, I think, that is really coming apart from an old establishment that is desperate to keep itself alive by having us fight with each other, but it's failing. And... What is emerging is really going to be a super positive place. And, and by the way, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, let's all go hate on someone. Because I don't think, I actually feel for a lot of these people who are lost. Can you imagine waiting until you hit your 70s and you start to think about, well, wait, maybe I shouldn't have been just a consumer my whole life. Maybe there was something more that I was here to do. You know, or there's something more meaningful going on here than just buying shit and throwing it away. So... Keep this in mind. I think there's positivity here, but we also need to have compassion and empathy for those people who spent their lives just focused on nothing. And so I, I do fear for some because it's a hard it's a hard one, it's a hard lesson to learn, but it's better to learn it even when you're old than not never learn it at all. So um, again, super positive, I think. Uh, so I, I, I'm I'm excited about this upcoming year, and I think. I think that um, things are going to start to start to really shift. It's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to feel weird. Um, it's going to look like nothing's the same as it used to be, but it's going to feel and it's going to look better as we get into it. And trust it. Trust in your heart and go with that, man. And I think you go with this future and young people too. The young people out there today, I'm super impressed. Generation Z, they're smarter folks than... <laughs> <laughs> very smart and capable of generation and and you know we've got good kids coming up man we're gonna help help take care of this world and and make it a better place and they got good heads on their shoulders really good heads on their shoulders and um you know they're not lazy they want to work and, but they also they also want to do something important so so with that this is uh this is what i see as a future and i i think I've covered so many topics here, and I don't. I'm the, well, it may sound a little scattered, but there's sort of many topic areas of what I see is going on. And I'm, this podcast, I'm going to start to move towards talking about some of these things, as well as other just current events, health stuff. Um, I I, uh, I want to kick it off though with this first episode of me sort of going on about what I see as a really bright future. You know, coming out of a kind of a crappy past. And, and the more and more we look at it, the more we just got to accept that, hey, man, some of this stuff was kind of broken and it's good that it's going. And I'm not going to lament that it's gone. And I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be very happy with a new life that we can start to make here and really do some cool stuff and have fun and bring rewarding lives, not just to ourselves, but importantly to others. So thank you for joining me. Uh, I really appreciate you listening to the podcast and making it this far. 
Uh, I hope you enjoyed my little my little rambling rant there over the rant or just a uh, happy view of the future. Uh, thanks so much. Please subscribe if you're not a subscriber already. I will be adding more content. I'm going to try to keep this regular as I can. Uh, if I can do weekly, I will. Uh, I think that's, that's probably a, a good pace for me to try to get to initially. And, uh, you know, uh, send me a note. You know, um, you know we've got uh, my... Uh, Inst my uh, my Twitter Capdov one um, at Twitter is also capped uh, off with um, uh, Instagram. So please please uh, check check me out. Uh, my links are in in the um, in the description for the show. Uh, really appreciate anybody who checks us out. Thanks so much, and I look forward to the next show. Bye bye.